All right, news roundup information overload hour. Sean Hannity show 44 days. Americans abandoned by Joe Biden, but he's turning the page uh, behind enemy lines with the Taliban terrorists now out there publicly executing people, beating women. Uh, girls can't go to school. Women can't go to work. Just like the good old days in their minds. Sick, ugly, twisted, morally bankrupt. And now we left behind hundreds of Americans, thousands of green card holders. Let me explain what a green card holder means. Those are people that are eligible to be in the United States, legally eligible to be here. And then, of course, tens of thousands of Afghan allies, including databases and let's see, biometrics that will confirm whether or not they had helped America at any point in the last 20 years. They will all be killed. You know, we've been trying to warn people and trying to make people aware of what's happening. But Joe Biden, he's dealing with the very professional and businesslike Taliban, and he turned the page and he says, I make no apologies how I handled abandoning Americans behind enemy lines. Listen, um, the leaders of the leader of India, uh, Japan and Australia. And we're going to be talking about Afghanistan, which is a legitimate thing for people to talk about. But the truth of the matter is, the end of the day is we were spending $300 million a day for 20 years. There was no easy way to end that. And we're now still getting people out. But it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's really, there's no, no picture book way to say, okay, the war's ended, let's get everybody out and we'll go home. No war's ever ended that way, other than there's been a surrender and it's a totally different circumstance. So anyway, there's a lot, I'm sure, along the line that there are things I could have done better, but I make no apologies for my proposals, how I'm, propo- how I'm, how I'm proceeding, and why I think by the end of the year we're going to be in a very different place. Yeah, what about the Americans you abandoned, Joe, and their families and green card holders and Afghan allies that will be murdered? No apologies. Then you got this idiot, Tony Blinken. I love this State Department. You know, they're saying to Americans on literally sitting on the tarmac on at Masari Sharif Airport. They're saying, well, if you're flying out of there, you do not have permission to land in the U.S. Why not? They're Americans. And if you get permission from a third country to land, that's fine. But if they need our approval, that 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 approval will not be forthcoming. Why not? Why would they need to? And then there are these idiots are then saying to people caught behind enemy lines. Well, the 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 office of the State Department is now closed in Kabul. You'll need to go to a another country to get your proper paperwork to get out of Afghanistan. The problem is you need the paperwork to get the hell out of Afghanistan. If you have any chance of getting out of Afghanistan and it looks like you really don't anyway. I mean, it can't get any dumber than that. The same idiot saying, you might want to make your way to the airport now, but we cannot guarantee your safety. And then when you're at the airport, they're saying, uh, you might want to, you might not want to come on the Saturday before the Tuesday deadline because it's not a good day there. And then if you're at the airport, we're expecting potential terrorist attack. You may want to leave now. This is what they're saying, but we can't guarantee your safety at all times. It's unbelievable. This is Tony Blinken. This is the same idiot trying to lecture the Taliban. Now, they're out there. They've already taken girls out of school. They're now beating women in the streets. They're telling women how to dress. They're telling women that full Sharia law is now in effect. Now they're hanging people all over the place, shooting other people in broad daylight in the head as they now go door to door to try and find any Afghan allies of the U.S. 
with a database and the biometrics and the military equipment, the most sophisticated in the world, left behind by Joe Biden for the terrorists. And Tony Blinken, the guy who was lecturing the Taliban on inclusiveness, now expects the Taliban to uphold basic rights. Uh, Tony, it's too late. They're already killing them. Do you not follow the news? Do you not watch any of the videos? You caused this. The single most preventable thing that you could have done. While you saw the Taliban on the march, you could have pushed them back. That would include drone strikes. It would have been simple. And stop them in their tracks and buy more time. In the interim, you could be speeding up the withdrawal process, identifying every American in Kabul, in Afghanistan, and making sure you could communicate with them and getting them out while you had full control of Kabul and Afghanistan and the northern sections of Afghanistan. You didn't do any of that. And while you are telling us, Joe Biden's telling the world it's one of the best trained militaries on the face of the earth, they had already taken over 50% of the country in terms of geographic area. Just lied through his teeth, sick and tired of being lied to. Uh, listen to this cut. I mean, because I mean, you just you just can't believe Tony Blinken. The Biden administration expects the Taliban to uphold basic rights. You're such an idiot. They're terrorists, you moron. We expect the Taliban to ensure freedom of travel, to make good on his commitments on counterterrorism, to uphold the basic rights of the Afghan people, including women, girls and minorities, to name a broadly representative permanent government to forswear reprisals. Okay, joining us now, David Lyon, former BBC journalist. He's got an upcoming book on the war in Afghanistan called The Long War, The Inside Story of America and Afghanistan since 9-11. He's been covering these events in Afghanistan since 1996 when he was reporting on the Taliban when they took Kabul for the first time. And uh, thank you for being back with us. How is it possible that the United States government our government, I've never been more embarrassed at the government of the United States than I am now, because it's 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 the antithesis to me of being a true American to abandon Americans behind enemy lines. And that's exactly what we did. Now, I did yeah, watch senior British officers, senior, senior officers of your, your closest allies, senior military officers are expressing shame, frankly, at, 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 at what's happened at leaving people behind in the way that they did. At the, at the debacle of the of the departure and you can argue for years about whether you know at some point we were going to have to leave afghanistan but there were only 2500 you know maybe a few more u.s troops there at the end and uh, the key thing about the afghan army was that the contractors who left also took their software with them so the afghan army although joe biden has really talked them down um, didn't have the capacity to communicate with their own people um, in the last weeks before Kabul fell, they were they were literally fighting blind, and they were trained to use that software and to fight with all of that equipment. So, you know, the army fell, the the, the country fell, and any illusions that the Biden administration have that the Taliban are going to you know keep to uh, any any of the deals that they've that they've done clearly must be shattered by the fact that they've now put in place a very hardline administration. As you say, women's rights being trampled on right, left and center, oh, as well as all the other things you enumerated. They're also carrying out effectively ethnic cleansing against the Hazara minority in central provinces in the country, out of sight of TV cameras. And the Hazaras are a really interesting minority group because they're the most pro- progressive on women's rights. 
And who'd have thought the Taliban are the people who are turning against that group most strongly? There are no Hazaras in the government. It's a very prominent minority in the country. And frankly, it's, 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 a, it's a war crime. Yeah, well, wait till ISIS gets a hold of an American citizen uh, or an American green card holder. Uh, I think you probably have a pretty good idea of what's going to happen. Here's my here's the fifty million dollar question: Why didn't they get out early? Why, you saw it, I saw it, the world saw it that the Afghan army was collapsing and the Taliban was on the march, and we had plenty of warning. That, that they were making their way up to the northern part of, of Afghanistan, making their way to Kabul. So when we had full control of the area, why didn't Joe Biden, A, push him back with some drone strikes, and B, why didn't he expedite the withdrawal while he had full control of Kabul? On the withdrawal question, there was a very strong sense from the Ghani government, uh, the, the, the then president of Afghanistan. He pleaded with the Americans not to pull people out because he thought that that would be a panic that would you know, cause a, a more of a collapse of the government. Well, now, since his government collapsed literally overnight when he fled, um, you know, it, it looked as if it was... Wait a minute, but that well doesn't answer the anyway. question. I don't mean to be rude, David. But, but we saw yeah. the Taliban on the march. We watched province after province after province fall and the Afghan military collapsed, and the Taliban was on the move. So th yeah. this isn't a matter of what Ghani thinks. You know, he took off, he escaped, he took however much money with him. The question is, why didn't Biden, and we have the most sophisticated intelligence communities in the entire world, why didn't we see them on the march and expedite our withdrawal for the benefit of the safety of Americans and our allies, including our friends in Great Britain? I think it was a mistake. I, I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt about it. And I think, um, you know, this withdrawal, the way that America left Afghanistan is profoundly damaging to, uh, to, to America now. It's profoundly damaging to America in the future. It's very interesting you played that clip of uh, Joe Biden meeting with the leaders of, uh, of Japan, India, Australia last week. They were meeting to talk about the Indo-Pacific, to talk about the threat of China. And, of course, he couldn't get away from Afghanistan. He was trying to moved a tilt to to towards china but he's not going to be able to because it's very much on his watch what's happened and i think that the all of the questions that you're asking are questions which are going to be asked of the by the american public who may well want afghanistan to have ended but certainly not this way well i can in good conscience forget that we've abandoned americans i just can't here's another question i have how how is it possible and now you've studied this region for such a long period of time. Yeah. How is it possible for Tony Blinken and Joe Biden to be so, you know, rather ignorant and naive to expect that they could lecture the Taliban on inclusivity issues involving their new government and say that they're professional and businesslike and say that they're turning the page on Afghanistan and Blinken saying that he expects the Taliban to uphold basic rights? Why would anybody be that ignorant to think that that dedicated terrorists that believe in radical Islamic Sharia law would be capable of of such uh, reasonableness? Well, I think he significantly overestimated, you know, their, their their desire and their willingness to engage with the outside world. And I think there's been. You know, there has been significant mistakes in, you know, this administration actually going back to the, the, the Obama years. The beginning of the Obama presidency, Biden, Blinken, Sullivan were, in, were around with him then. 
um, were the strongest advocates in the White House. And I write about this in detail in my book for withdrawal from Afghanistan. Biden then said, um, Afghanistan's not a united country. There's nothing we can do there. But I think, you know, in the last few months, in, they've needed to stand up the Taliban as a sort of insurance policy. There's been a lot of talk in, in, my, in the government in the UK and in, in Washington in, the, in these governments that the Taliban are somehow, there's a moderate Taliban. There are people we can talk to. We can set up offices in Doha and we can negotiate with these people. And actually, it's, it's in a sense, that was their insurance policy um, in order to be able to leave the country. Okay, Donald Trump. Was what they wanted to do. Quick break. More with David Loyan, former BBC journalist. Uh, the Long War. Uh, we'll talk about his upcoming book, The Inside Story of Afghanistan and America Since 9-11. And David Loyne will join us on the other side. Then we'll get to your calls, 800-941-SEAN, our number, if you want to be a part of the program. We continue now. David Loyne, former BBC journalist. He's got an upcoming book, The Long War, and the inside story of America and Afghanistan since 9-11. Donald Trump's early discussions before any deal was struck with the Taliban was predicated on a few things. Number one was... If you don't follow every dotted I cross T, if we get to an agreement every period and comma, I'll obliterate you like I did the caliphate, like I did Soleimani and Baghdadi and associates, like I did the Al Qaeda leader in Yemen. So that was first and foremost. Second was he would never give up Bagram Air Base. He was going to hold on to that in perpetuity, considering we paid for it and we built it. Number three, it was going to be based on conditions on the ground. So Joe Biden never followed through. And he allowed the Taliban to go on the march. And then when the Taliban finally controls Kabul, then he decides he's going to evacuate everybody. And now we've abandoned. By the way, I think there's still 100 or 150 Brits behind enemy lines as well. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, well, and more than that, there's, there's plenty of people with who, the equivalent of Greenheart cardholders, the uh, people who have a right to come here. And they're being picked off one by one. I mean, there are there there are terrible accounts. When you say picked off, they're being murdered. They're being shot. They're, they're being, being killed. They're being they're being and they're, they're being, being beheaded. And and if they if if not them, their family members are being killed and tortured in order to try and find those individuals. And that is that's door to door. You know, people having to show their papers, having to show who they are, being you know being treated by the Taliban as if they are, you know, genuine enemies of the country just because they supported the UK or they have some right to live here or just because they supported the US or they have oh. some right to live in the You're US. You're not going to so, have a hard time figuring think, out who the people are because we left behind the databases and the biometrics. I'll give you the last 20 well, seconds. Yeah, but you've got you to you find those people. I, think, I mean, I think there's a real policy challenge now. So what is America going to do now? You know, is, um, you know, is Biden going to support potential armed resistance because there are currently two it's too late going on in afghanistan they left them 80 um, it, it, billion dollars it's too late for that the panjshir yeah. valley is is they've already been overrun by the taliban with our military might and equipment and the most advanced equipment on the face of the earth i mean this idiot it's left he, he armed the taliban listen i gotta roll though um i'm looking forward to your book 800-941-SEAN that's david lyon former bbc journalist quick break right back your calls on the other side straight ahead
can't always believe what the other side claims. That's why there's the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, let's get uh, to our busy phones. A lot of stuff happening today and all this week. Watch on these finances. Do I think ultimately the House passes all of this? Yeah, I do. In terms of $5 trillion in, in reckless New Green Deal socialist spending. The Senate, different story, but we'll see. I have no guarantees. Um, but in the meantime, let's say hi to Chris is in Texas. Hey, Chris, how are you? Glad you called. Good, Mr. Hannity. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to speak with you. Uh, I, I'd like to ask you a question about the border wall, and it kind of goes hand in hand with what you're talking about with the spending. When uh, President Trump was in office, it seems to me that he he fought very hard for that wall, and I, I keep having this number of $5 billion in my head, and that was too much money for them to approve to make that happen. And with all the new spending that they're passing, trillions upon trillions of dollars, and all the money that's being spent on caring for these migrants and shipping them all over the country, transportation costs, food costs, renting out hotels, what what does that dollar amount look like compared to the $5 billion that Mr. Trump wanted to build a wall with? You know, I brought this up earlier. You know, and this is a great question. There are so many countries that actually sell citizenship. Did you know that? A lot of people were saying, wow, I never knew that. In other words, what have I been saying? I believe in legal immigration. All four of my grandparents came here from Ireland at the turn of the last century, right? They came here with no money in their pocket. They even faced discrimination. Irish Catholic need not apply. And anyway, and and I know I stand on their hardworking shoulders. They lived in poverty their entire lives. My parents both grew up very poor. My mom, a prison guard. My dad, a family court probation guy and a waiter. And and it was, you know, each generation, the hope was that the next generation would do a little bit better. I don't care where you come from. You know, we're all children of God. But there's something of great value here. You know, if you want to become a citizen of St. Kitts or Nevis, you pay 150 grand in their sustainable growth fund and a minimum real estate investment of 200 grand. St. Lucia. You know, costs amount to roughly 250 grand. Antigua, uh, for example, I think it's about $140,000. You donate it to the country's development fund and real estate fund. Dominica, Grenada, Portugal, Malta, Cyprus, Austria, New Zealand. It's really hard, uh, but you can do it. Belize, uh, Australia, New Zealand. I mean, you can buy citizenship, and they're hundreds of thousands of dollars. You know, what? what are we saying here now? I believe in legal immigration. I don't care where you come from. I also believe in merit-based immigration. And I also believe we need to have security checks to make sure you're not, you don't have radical associations, health checks in the middle of a pandemic. And then I think that you have to show that you're able to provide for yourself when you get here so you're not a burden on the American people financially. And Joe Biden is letting in millions of people. Then he's, then he's holding out. Democrats tried to sneak into the reconciliation bill until the Senate parliamentarian said, no, you can't do that. You know, this idea that that will give everybody blanket amnesty. And, and we're mean and racist if we don't do it. I don't care where you come from. Just do it legally. And we've got to understand something here. When a, when a party offers something of such incredible value and worth, you know, what is what is the hope? Oh, well, you're going to love us better than that other party, right? Those mean people that, that want legal immigration. So, you know, I know a lot of people have said that I, I just want, I don't care where you come from. I want a background. I want to make sure you don't have radical associations. In the middle of a pandemic, I want a health check. 
And I'd like to have merit-based immigration. And also, um, I'd like to make sure that people can take care of themselves when they come here. And then at that point, welcome to our American family, either if you're here temporarily or if you're here permanently. You know, this is something of, you know, every other country has figured out not only how to stop illegal immigration, but to make a fortune on it. Why haven't we? You know, and then we get then we all get yelled at that we're we're mean people because we're telling people to go back to the country they came from and do go through the process legally. I don't think there's anything mean about it, because if that if that by definition is mean, then every country that's making a fortune off of this is mean on steroids. Anyway, you know, it, go ahead. It just yes, sir. Seems like the American public is is being footed a great bill, a great dollar amount for what's happening now as to the bill that we could have seen just to provide some border security and, and force people into a position to where they'd have to come that right way. Listen, this is not hard. We had the lowest. I, I Somebody told me it was actually 45 years, the lowest rate of illegal immigrants coming into this country. Now, first, Mayorkas, who lied to us repeatedly, and he told a whole bunch of whoppers. I went through that earlier in the program. I'll go over it again tonight on Hannity and on the TV show. But I will tell you, you know, it, it's it's mind numbing the costs associated with this. We cannot afford it. Not that we're. You know, we don't want to help people out, but encouraging people to come and then trying to sneak in backdoor citizenship and amnesty for everybody. You know, it's why are the Democrats doing that? Well, I think, again, if you look at how do other countries view citizenship to their countries, they put a huge price tag on it. In many cases, like really good countries, I don't know if I was looking for another country to go to and I, I don't want to leave the United States ever. I'm an American. But if I was looking elsewhere, I would look to, you know, Australia or New Zealand. It costs a lot of money to move there. And a lot of people move to these tax haven countries because they don't have an estate tax. And they take all their money with them. And it's happening in larger and larger numbers every year. But anyway, I appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN. Julie is in California. Same question, sort of. What's up, Julie? How are you? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I love and appreciate your show. Your work is very important. Thank you. Um, my my comment question is around the the vaccine card, which I don't agree with the vaccine card because I, I feel it's a tracking device. But, you know, early on, they talked so much about like herd immunity and, and you know, by the way, I don't think there's a tracking device all- in the in the vaccine. You know, if you you're, you get, I guess, a card if you're vaccinated, I don't think there's a chip in it. So I don't know how they're. No. Well, actually, my daughter just uh went to a concert here in Los Angeles and they told her she needed her her vaccine card and she didn't have it on her. So they said, oh, well, you go to this website and type in your name and birth date and now you have the QR code on your phone. So they have a data. You're saying that that's something I did not know, that they have a database in California on everybody that's been vaccinated. But listen, I'm sure the database exists, you know, in every hospital system, but I would like to think medical privacy exists, but apparently not. Yeah, I was actually very shocked. So um, then, so now they've forgotten about this herd immunity conversation and, you know, they're requiring vaccine cards. So what about the millions and millions of people who have had COVID and they have their natural antibodies? So if they're going to require a vaccine card, why don't they just also have um, a natural antibody card? Because then that's not good enough for them. You know, they're not buying into the natural... You know, look, listen, natural antibodies is is better than the vaccine. 
Listen, I'm urging, that's why I'm not in a position, and I, I'm trying to be really balanced in this and trying to be very responsible because I care about everybody in this audience, and I don't want anyone getting sick and making a dumb decision, okay? But this is where you have to talk to your doctor. Now, Rand Paul, a medical doctor, had COVID, has natural T-cell immunity. I'm sure his regular antibody levels have gone down because it's quite a long time since he had it. And and but he says he believes that's the best. Interestingly, Dr. Robert Malone, who was one of the he developed and played the key role in developing the mRNA vaccine technology. When we interviewed him, he says natural immunity is better than the immunity of the very technology that it was fundamental to creating the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. That's what he says. But with all that said, do your own research, look at your own unique medical history and current condition and talk to your doctor. Um, but yeah, I, I, and by the way, it's anywhere between three and six months. If you get COVID, they're telling you don't get vaccinated, you know, at that particular point in time. So what do you do in the interim? You can't go to a restaurant. You can't go to a concert. You can't go to, you know, a ball game. I mean, it gets complicated, but not in Joe Biden's and the Democratic Party's one size fits all medicine world. You know, there are people with rare conditions. There are people with natural immunity. Nobody wants to examine the science on any of these things, it seems. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a lot more complicated when you start actually factoring in real human beings with very unique medical histories, very unique current medical conditions, and and whether or not they might have that rare disease that prevents them from getting vaccination. That those people exist. I've interviewed them. So they exist somewhere. But again, you know, I don't know everyone's condition, but they're putting us in a position. It's one size fits all. You better take it or leave it. And now there's there's this intensifying societal pressure and outright, you know, shaming and and lashing out against people that you know nothing about. You don't know anything about somebody's unique medical history. Why should you? I, I might be the only one that has some, I you know, concept about medical privacy and, and doctor-patient confidentiality. I don't hear a lot of people talking about it. Anyway, good call, Julie. Appreciate it. Cheryl is in Colorado. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? Um, I wanted to talk to you about the border wall. Why in the heck do we have to have a not have a border wall, but we can have fences and gates and walls around all of these actors, actresses, homes, Pelosi, Schumer, probably Maxine Waters. It just doesn't make any sense. Why can't our congressmen and our senators just stand on the floor and say, we're not doing anything until we change the law since you're not abiding by the law? Why don't they? If, if, again, they're supposed to be lawmakers, right? Okay, right. they don't want to follow that, that's the law. What I always thought. Okay, they but you know, if you if you and I pick and choose which laws to abide by and which ones we ignore, I'm promising you, it's not going to work out well for us. Like I, I can't choose well to us. say I'm going to pay less in taxes because I think taxes are too high. I can't. I I if they'll put me to jail in jail in five seconds. If I'm like missing a dollar, they probably put me in jail. So it's. Uh, you know, the idea that we not only have they're not enforcing the laws of the land, they're not trying to change the laws of the land. They're just aiding and abetting the breaking of laws. And then that, you know, it, remember, once people are in the United States, they then become, you know, under federal authority. This is where governors like, you know, Greg Abbott of Texas has had the toughest time. 
And he's been he's called up the National Guard. He's created, a, you know, miles and miles of walls using state vehicles. I mean, he's using every weapon in his arsenal to try and control the tide of illegal immigrants. But they're being facilitated by Joe and Kamala Harris. They are. Yep. And I and, why don't they send those people from the border to their houses and their neighborhoods? No, I don't think, that, you know, maybe instead of dispersing people all around the country, why don't we send them up to Washington, D.C. and they can live next to Joe? They can live across, across the street at Lafayette Park. Joe the can go over and, and hang out with them. Oh, yeah. And I, you know what? I thought that my parents taught me to never bully people and to talk to people and just be the better of the person. We're creating monsters in our children by everybody shaming us. It is an ugly, ugly, ugly business, the political world. You know, people have asked me many times, Hannity, why don't you run for office? And I'm like, you must hate me. Anybody that, Linda, is that not my standard answer? You must That's not always like your me. answer, boss. Because, you know, even doing what I do, Cheryl, and I'm not complaining. I feel, I love what I do. But trust me, I'm getting hit every single solitary day from all sides. And I'm, there's no way I'm ever going to make these people happy. The good, th the good news I can tell you is I don't give a flying Adam Schiff. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me what other people that don't like me think. I, you know, I do this show for people like you, Cheryl, that want to hear news information. We try and do it in an entertaining way that you're not going to get on most shows. That's what we try to do. It's, our mission is very clear. And I appreciate that because my father's side of the family, my dad died about six years ago, and I wish that I would have listened to Rush and you when he was alive because he did faithfully. And then my aunt died unexpectedly last year, and I thought she was going to be here for a long time. And, of course, my grandmother years and years ago. But they were my last Republicans in the family. Now I'm left with my Democrat sister, mother, and aunt on the other side. And it's horrible. So I have to listen to you. Thank you. Uh, well, thank you. But we'll arm you with enough information so that, you know, when they're throwing turkey legs at you at the Thanksgiving Day dinner, that you'll be able to defend yourself, all right? <laughs> All right, I will do. Thank you, and you take care, and thanks for being here. All right, there for Cheryl. All, all right, that's going to wrap things up for, for today. We have uh, live coverage from Mexico that you won't get from the media mob. What's really going on down at the border? Uh, the disaster of this economic New Green Deal socialism. Larry Kudlow will weigh in. Newt Gingrich, say BBR, Hannity, 9 Eastern. News you won't get from the media mob. We'll see you tonight at 9, back here tomorrow. As always, thank you for being with us. You make this show possible. We will never forget it. See you tonight, back here tomorrow.